is our eighth one of these. We're back with Black Jaded Wolf Uncaged, easily my favorite episode. And from the comments we get, everyone's favorite episode. So welcome back. How you doing? Thank you. Hi, everyone. Back from Cali. That's it. And listen, this is going to be a fun one today because you spent a long weekend at the Burbank show. And uh, I mean, I get I get a lot of DMs saying, when are you doing the episode? We know she was there. We want to hear what happened at Burbank. So I'm going to just like turn it over and say, tell me what happened at Burbank. Give me the highlights, the low light. Tell me anything you want to tell me about Burbank. Because sitting on my hands, looking at it on Instagram, I got to tell you, I, I talked about it in an episode with Andrew. He's like, I don't have FOMO for anything. I'm like, I really missed going. Like it really looked like a good time. It looked like I'm like, maybe I'll find a flight you know, tonight and not tell my family, just fly out. Just hang out. <laughs> I really miss not being there. So was it as cool as it looked on IG? Uh, it was very, uh, it's a lot of fun for me. You know, um, I have a lot of friends and, um, you know, people that I've known through the years that don't come to the East Coast show. So they welcome me there. So I first mama break, you know, after I landed, put some my stuff away and we hit it right there. We went to Burbank. We went to A little dance. I can do a little dance for you. That's all right. No worries. Usually it's so me with the audio to, issues. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to a place called Franks and Sons. So okay. it's like it's like a flea big market. yeah flea market, but with like tons of cards too, and people set up their cards. But it's every like twice a week and stuff like that. So it was very cool. I mean, it was like twenty four hours. I basically didn't sleep, but. <laughs> Because I had a 3 o'clock, I woke up at 3 o'clock, flew for 8 hours, and then hit the show running, and then I didn't go to bed till the next day at 2 o'clock in Cali, so. <laughs> I mean, listen, you talk about burning the candle on both ends. That Franks and Sons, that, I've seen that, you know, a lot of people go out there. It looks really cool. Uh, yeah. you were, able to, were you able to find it? Because you have some obscure collecting tastes as well. Everything from like Game of Thrones to you know Funkos to like vinyls and like all kinds of crazy stuff. Sneakers. So that's what, yeah. So that's what I was actually looking for because there was tons of uh, Game of Thrones stuff, you know. Um, so I've been very. I bought a big collection, so now I'm trying to big buy some bigger ones, you know, to kind of complete the collection and stuff like that. Uh, I found some. I bought some boxes to open you know it, it was it was a lot of fun so that's only the first that's the first couple minutes yeah that's it that's first it. day basically and so we'll the next credit to stephanie she i mean listen teach her right yeah she knows and she's brought the kids stuff in and gone out you know yeah. shows and, and does mm -hmm. like kids scavenger hunts and shows and does you know kids breaks and you know a lot of people can say look we need products for kids we need this for kids she has, I mean, at least as far as I can see from, you know, outsider looking in, has done more for bringing kids into the equation than anybody that I've seen. So, you know, yes. kudos to her, you know, that, and that's, yeah, you know, it must have been fun. She's, she's definitely doing great in that aspect. And she's also very welcoming, you know, uh, great with kids. So Saturday is basically just a whole day of a kids session with her, trade night. It's a whole day thing. And it was a lot of fun. Um, we were both, uh, I, I didn't have time, obviously, because I'm in my boot. I flew in by myself. Uh, let's go back to Thursday, set yeah. up, you know, the VIP night. Well, um, I'm going to take you right on the track before VIP night, because that's what everybody wants to hear about. We want to hear yeah. about popping mm -hmm. bottles with Sharon. We want to hear about the big party. <laughs> but before that, right? So we talk about this because this is a show about the shows. How do you prep? 
for the Burbank show that might be different from like how you prepped for Culture Collision or how you prepped okay. for the local show? So what did you bring differently? Talk about the prep leading up to it, and then we'll get you right. I promise we'll get to the champagne no, room, no, the no, VIP party. I think you like that because you know <laughs> a lot of the positive that I hear about the show is what a dealer thinks and how I prep. So it's good that you kind of brought me back there. So because I only came to, I only went there by myself. I only brought like higher end stuff. Cause some people are telling me it's kind of like a Dallas show, higher end buyers and stuff like that. So I'm going to tell you, I brought bigger stuff like Herbert, uh, Mahomes, you know, I actually brought the, I haven't brought that Hertz out, one black one of one for a while, but I brought it out just for, cause it's kind of like a Super Bowl show, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Any, so any big brought, offers on that? Anybody make a big cash offer on that? No. Well, I know there was one guy, but you know, let's not. <laughs> no, damn. All right. It's okay. All right. So basically, I prep basically all the bigger stuff, and I'm gonna be honest with you. So sometimes we learn, mm -hmm. and I learned that I did very well. I'm just saying that because if you do, if you don't do well, and you're a dealer, that means it's not the promoter's fault because there was literally a lot of people. And it's, you know, people are calling it the mini national, you know, some people are saying better than Dallas. I don't like to compare, you know, and stuff like that. But they said foot traffic is better. Okay. But <clears throat> my only thing is, I don't know, this is just me because I'm only telling my side. Uh, more people were buying 2000 and below cards. Okay. So I, I didn't do that well on that aspect because I didn't bring that much of those. But I also, knowing that people are buying those, I also bought them and then put them back out for the weekend. And I did sell those. So any, anything that I kind of bought, I sold. So, you know. Well, so sometimes you have for the to... folks who are not like dealers, the people <laughs> like me, the people who listen to the show. So you yep. went there, you planned it out. And sometimes mm -hmm. if you plan the show the right way, you can make a killing. Yeah. But you planned this out sort of more Dallasy, where you brought some more high-end five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar cards. You brought mm -hmm. your RPAs, you brought your Herberts out of storage because you hadn't yep. had those Herberts for a while. But you got there and you noticed that the deal flow was actually in a lower tranche. It was actually two thousand dollars and less. So you went and actively purchased cards at the purchased show the yep. mm -hmm. to resell and were able to do that. Do me a favor for the folks, mm -hmm. including myself, who this sounds ridiculous to, right? <laughs> Tell me how that happens. Are you buying cards from people who approach your table? Are you going around and picking up massive lots of these cards from other dealers? Talk to me. So I do both. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, I'm the type that will just sit on my table and wait for people to um, sell you. But if you notice this show, it was insane. There's so many buying booths. I was literally across Burbank <clears throat> and they're buying a good, they're paying a good percentile that there was a line around their Burbank big booth just trying to sell to them. Wow. And then there's also other tables that are doing that. Mm -hmm. So I have a few lines, but I also don't have, I only have one table that's, I don't have a big sign on TV that says I'm buying, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
So I have to basically pivot and work a little harder and maybe walk a little in the show, pick up stuff that I think I could sell in the show because at some point people won't stop in your booth if they notice that you don't have anything around that price range. So you want to pick a few and scatter them around your showcase that maybe, okay, they might be looking at that $1,000 card, but oh, maybe I'll trade for this five thousand dollar card because they saw it you know so you gotta so it's not just the purpose of buying that card that i just bought and then sell it basically it's more like to attract some people in your booth that might not be looking for ten thousand dollar card right so so that's what i did and i sold those cards and i sold a few cards that Probably I wouldn't have sell if I just you know brought all big cards basically. So, so you many walk people around and you go to other tables, or you walk around and you find other people looking to sell. Like when you walk and leave a booth, where are you finding these two thousand dollar cards? Well, booths basically. I, I'm not the type that you know um, poach other people's customer. <laughs> yeah, to me that's like an etiquette thing, you know, in the sh old shows that you don't like. Oh, that's a good one when somebody's showing it to other dealers. No, that's that's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> I taught my son that at shows because you you mm -hmm. you'll see people at the table with their Zion case with their box open and they're offering it to a dealer and. My, yep. you know, my son, I remember three years ago, he's like, well, do you, look, he's got that card. That's one we're looking for. And I say, listen, this is why the dealers pay for their table. That deal mm -hmm. that comes in, that's what they're paying, but they get the, the right of first refusal. And, and, in, and then smartly, I think he was five at the time. He says, so when, if the dealer says no, can we then talk to him? I said, actually, yes. mm -hmm. you have to see where they're going. Because if they go to the next table, the next dealer should get the option to get it too. I mean, it's another yeah. dealer. They, they're walking table to table. I don't step in front of any of these dealers. Yeah. That's what the dealers are paying for the table for. It's not just to be able mm -hmm. to unload their cards. It's A lot of people don't do that. Um, no. You know, you but meet them out are... by, the, by the snack area. It's like they're sitting yep. there with their stuff and they're not. So that's out. the okay. thing. There's an area for that now, which is yeah. great, you know. And that's what trade night's for too. Yep. Yep. So, but there are a few more people that are literally hanging on my boot, talking to me, but really that's their goal yes. is to, you know. So Jeremy, but, I'm going I'm to peel this back. This might be a little bit of a longer episode because I think this is really fun. It's learning mm -hmm. for me, right? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the, I, I try to ask what I think somebody listening to this would ask. And it's, okay, so you have a line of people who are trying to sell cards to Burbank. So mm -hmm. to me, that gives me the impression that this is a, a lot of customers coming in to liquidate, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. see that and you think to yourself, all right, well, I need to go and buy cards from, from dealers here that I can resell. Now, mm -hmm. something in my brain, it's difficult for me to compute that because if we have lines of people trying to liquidate their cards, they must be selling them to Burbank or to somebody else at 75, 80% of, of comps. And if mm -hmm. there's those people looking out there mm -hmm. to liquidate, you then are going to have to pay some other dealer a number that's low enough for you to then bring it back to your table and find somebody who's going to pay more for you to make money on it to make it worthwhile. That's it, How does that all kind of jive, right? Talk to me. So I also don't pay. If I go to a dealer, I'm never going to offer them that low, to be honest with you. Because I, they know that you're in a compromising spot. That's why you're going and buying, you yeah. know. Okay. Yep. So um, I, I usually offer like around 80 or maybe 85 if it's a card I really want. Mm -hmm. If it's cheaper stuff and let's say some people are not buying those stuff, you know. Or I might buy stuff that I want to bring back 
just in case I don't sell it this weekend. I'm going to bring it back to New York okay, again. Okay, it will sell. That's, that's it's good. like Aaron Judge is not going to sell there that much as long. You know, I mean, in New York, it will sell. Right. So I, I'm also always thinking two ways as a backup. You know, uh, what are my next few shows? Let's say I buy some Boston stuff because I know I'm going to Boston next month. That's sort multiple of thing. exits on these cards. Yes, also, you, so you got to think. Up. There's always thinking involved. Yeah. Well, so I mean, because I'm thinking mm -hmm. to myself, like, all right, well, if people are trying to liquidate their cards at 75 percent, yeah, shoot. But let me go back to that. Yeah. So a lot of those people that I saw that was in the table liquidating, after they get that money, they also walk around buying again. Right. So we're, I'm trying to figure out. Obviously, we don't know. I know one guy sold a bunch of stuff and came back and bought one of my big game of not Game of Thrones, but non sports cards. Mm -hmm. So that okay. was fascinating to me. So I noticed in this show, so many dealers came up to me like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm just buying a Pokemon right now. Yep. So, and then, you know, I had this discussion. A friend of mine came up and asked me, do you think it has an impact that we talked about, that you talked about the last three show in, you know, in our show that, yep. you know, you, people are buying non-sport. And it's it's really gaining a lot of momentum. I didn't bring a lot of non-sports because, like I told you, I collect them still. Yep, yep. So I have a few that I, doubles for me, you know, that I put it out. But next to me is Jeff's card. And his he used to have, like, a small half a showcase of non-sport. But this show, he came in with, like, two showcases. And he only has three showcases of non-sport. And he was busy. That's collectors. I'm yes. buying Goonies autographs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, come on now. That's, I mean, you know, I make money on the sports cards. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy myself a chunk auto. Exactly. It's like I, mean, look, I mean, come on. This is, you know, this is the non-sports stuff, right? I mean, people I get are you. actually buying stuff that they collect now because of, you know, so they're using sports cards to make money to buy something they want. The Pokemon, Which is, my son's yep. case, you have that big gold case. He walks around, he's trying to do like yep. stuff. It is now 90% Pokemon cards. We just got back a, 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 a PSA thing from, from mm -hmm. last year, the, the Pokemon special. And yep. it's, all PS, it's all Pokemon cards, and he's going to get the 10s. And some, yep. nine, you know, Charizard, nice Charizard gets a 9. He'll put that in a separate row also. He'll, he'll dump down to a 9. But it's all Pokemon. It's all, you know, shiny, you know, fun stuff. So that's, that's my thinking, too. Uh, does that mean sports is, you know... Uh, it, it's a scary if you're just all sports, you know, because uh, to me, people are gambling less and they're they're afraid to lose their money right now. You know, I mean, if the economy maybe moves up a little bit better, Bitcoin, you know, yeah. uh, maybe they'll gamble again, you know. But right now, people want a little bit safer stuff. If here's one thing I know that happens that you are not going to toot your own horn. You're not going to ring your own bell. So I'll do it for you and tell me if I'm right. Part of why you're able to do this, even though the 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 overall ecology of the show, you look at people are trying to liquidate, they're trying to sell. You have to now navigate and be nimble because you have high dollar cards, or you're not going to sell them. You're able to go and buy from other people. Is it fair to say that you spend a little bit of time at your table, taking in what the demand is? And you learn not just, hey, my $10,000 cards are not moving, but people keep coming and asking for the same players. Maybe they're asking for Mookie Betts because it's out there. Maybe they're asking for Freddie mm -hmm. Freeman. You listen to that stuff, and then you're able to now pay 80 or 85% to a dealer who has a card that you know this is going to be something people are asking for because you spent the first day there 
being yep. asked for it yourself and not having it. Is that fair? Definitely. You have to learn and pivot. You know, it's, it's like it's like playing any game. You know, you, you, you need to see what people are asking for. Yep. And and then, you know, kind of give them that. Because if not, you're just going to be standing there like a museum. And I don't mind some of the stuff taking them back home. Obviously, they're not doesn't mean they're dropping and they don't want them. It's just people want something different and to, to start a conversation you gotta have some of those stuff just to start a conversation so to me that's always been very important to me you can't just have oh i have really nice big cards and they're gonna oh that's nice and then walk away but at least you know oh <clears throat> one thing i notice is people come by my booth and look at the good cards but it's like they're asking me oh do you have anything like of Mookie Bets, like you said, of four five hundred dollar range? Yep. You know, at least they're having that conversation. Maybe they can't afford the five thousand Mookie Bets that I put out. You know, maybe yeah, and they'll ask you. And then if you do, hey, yes, this I have one, and you know, and you move it. If not, then that's what you're looking for because you know exactly. what people have been asking for. So that mm -hmm. makes sense to me. And that, by the way. We talked about this, Andrew and I, recently when I, I would say, like, not every show is the same. And why I love doing this show with you is because I get to f a feel on how the shows are different, how you prep for the shows differently, what the, you know, what the kind of the, I don't call it the aura of the show is, but what the energy, what, you know, what's going on at these shows. Because, I mean, you, like me, you see some of our local shows here in the Northeast, right? And some dealers literally show up with the same inventory for 12 shows a year. There's no refreshing the inventory. There's no nothing. Yep. And sometimes I leave some of my local shows, you know, I'll have a box of Pokemon or something for Ian to open or, you know, mm -hmm. some wax that's recent, but I'll leave and I will, I'll be in the car thinking to myself, why do I even go to this? Like, I know the cards that are going to be in the showcases before I even go. It's just the yep. same dealers hoping, I guess, that new foot traffic comes and churns their inventory for them rather than them churning mm -hmm. the inventory themselves. So it's, it's great for me to talk to you and hear not only are you, refreshing your inventory by show, by what you think mm -hmm. the show's going to be. But we've talked eight times now, and you've been right. I know what I'm bringing to Boston. I know what I'm bringing to Dallas. This is a Burbank show that's new. You, mm -hmm. you planned on bringing something, but then when you got there, you had to get up out of your seat and not rest on what you had in your showcase. You had to find a way to refresh your own inventory to make it a positive show for you. Exactly. And it's not just about selling. It's more like you want to start conversation with people and people are not going to come back to you. Like you said, it's like if your shows, you keep having the same thing. I mean, I have higher end stuff, but every show I rotate the big cards. I don't always bring the same cards. You can't because it, it's kind of like a show. You know, you don't want to keep showing the same thing. People are not right. going to come to your booth. So it's, it's, it's very important to keep them fresh, basically. 100% right. I'm right, watching so ESPN. Who, yeah. Who's hot right now? Bring the hot guys. You know, that's just very easy in my opinion. So Right. There's the deal. I know where you are. Know your location mm -hmm. and the whole – I mean, heck, bring some in and out. You know, put it at the table. And, <laughs> hey, anybody who bought, who spends over a 1000 bucks gets an In-N-Out burger. Animal, yeah. beast style, whatever they call it. I've never had In-N-Out. Did you get in and out? Make me jealous. No, I was so close. So a bunch of us from the East Coast, Jeff and people I hang out with, we're going to order in and out before the – so every night there's a trade trade night. And it was just long. You know, I don't do trade nights because it's just too long. <laughs> so we were going to get in and out before the trade night, and I got invited to a woman's dinner, so I went to the woman's dinner instead. But 
So was Brian oh. Gray from Leaf at the women's dinner? No, it's all women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but wasn't he on like a Women of the Hobby panel? Right? Was it, was it a Beckett Summit or something like that? Yep, yep, yep. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's funny. There uh, was a woman's friend and supporter. Listen, that's <laughs> listen. I, I mean, I like that. I like seeing all them because that's an expansion. That's something that would not have happened pre-COVID. It's not something that there was no women of the hobby, women in the hobby. There was no like real focus on let's do a scavenger hunt for kids. There was no kids trade night. I mean, there those expansions, I think, are all good things. Those are yep. very good things because, look, you need to support folks in the hobby. You need to support the kids in the hobby. You want kids to come to your show because guess what? Yep. They're bringing their parents, right? That's the future of the hobby, and it's also current in the hobby. Yep. You want women in the hobby. So what's funny about it is I think about it this way. You're seeing a rise in non-sport. You're seeing Game of Thrones, you name it, uh, pop culture type stuff. I believe because of the diversity that we're seeing in the hobby, because we are now supporting a diverse, you know, um, uh, um, audience in the hobby, both from collector base and dealer base. Yep. That's why you're seeing a more diverse type of cards being available and why you're seeing business being done on non-sport, right? No, definitely. It's like a lot of them are like, oh, I'm going to buy this for my wife, you know, stuff like that. and now some of the wife comes to show to and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, they want to buy something for themselves now, too, yeah. which is, you know, that's what we want, you know. And one of my better sales last year was a Chip and Joanna Gaines dual auto. Oh. You know, from the, like, you know, like the reality show where they do the house. Yep, yep, yep. I, was like, mm -hmm. was, I mean, it was out of 10. It was like, I'm selling this. I don't even <laughs> like this show. <laughs> it's like Rick and Morty so popular. I'm like, it, it, yeah. People, because they have sketch card and autograph cards too. Uh, they're they're very popular. I mean, I love that. So talk to me. So you, Thursday, Friday, any other crazy? Like talk to me about people love the deal flow, right? Any card that you sold that you were surprised you sold? Any card that came to you know came to you? Mm -hmm. Whether it's you know to fill in a PC, you know somebody who walked into the show was just foot traffic, and you're like, wow, I wasn't expecting to pick this up. Any any kind of like you know, interesting stories? Um. I sold a couple. A lot of people asked for uh, Trevor Lawrence because okay. I think they're expecting him to be hot next year, and he's still like half of Borough and half of all the you know Herbert type of things. So a lot of people uh, asked for uh, Trevor, but um, like I said, my biggest sale was my uh, Big Bang Theory, uh, Pop One Coco. Um, it so this collector is not really. It's never seen the show, but. She, He's collecting and buying female autograph for his daughter. Okay. So he's creating a PC. The daughter is only three years old. <laughs> wow. But literally trading like Mallory Pugh of, you know, soccer, hottest, one of the hottest young girl in soccer. So, I mean, there are parents that's already thinking for their kids, you know, buying WNBA cards for their daughter, which is... Uh, which is very exciting to uh, to encounter. Uh, a lot of dads are thinking of that now, which is fascinating, in my opinion. Yeah. So I mean, I, well, that's one of my biggest sale. But another thing for sports is people are asking for Shay Gilchrist Alexander finally. Yeah. Okay. There yes. we go. He's, oh, he's having a good year. I yeah. Mean, so and you know, you sell you sell anything decent of SGA? 
Yeah, I, I, I don't bring a lot of SGA because I keep most of my big SGA. But I decided to bring one because, you know, he's very popular still in California for the West West side of the country, at least. So I sold the Cracked Ice, basically, Contender, which is one of my weaker ones because I have a ton. I have like three golds, Prism Auto. I have Optic Auto Gold. So, you know, I decided to part with one just to test it out, and it was sold. So Any... any um with the NBA trade deadline, any cards move because of that? Have you seen any movement in pricing? Anybody asking like, you know, you were out in the West. I mean, it's closer to Phoenix. Anybody looking for Durant cards because of the trade? Uh, Chris Paul, anything like that? Not really. I thought there was going to be some movement with that and Kyrie too. So I brought some Kyrie to the West just in case, you know, I think people are still trying to see how it will work. Even Durant, I brought a couple of Durant just in case, um, but there was not a lot of traction. I think people are still in a holding pattern and see how it will work out, you know. Okay. So, uh, listen, I don't want to turn it into like, you know, uh, barstool pizza stuff. We haven't done this in the first eight episodes, right? But maybe I got to hold your feet to the fire on this and we'll start it with episode eight. We can give a show a one to ten. And you could do like with ten to per point. Like it could be 7.2. It could be 8.1. It could be – it would be a nice way of ranking these shows. So one to ten. Talk to me about Burbank show, overall experience, the trade nights, you know, the support for the dealers, the foot traffic, you know, all the things that go into, you know, what you'd rank as a show. Give me, give me a rating from one to 10. Uh, people might call this tough, but I'm like around eight or 8.5. Because okay. to me, I, I don't think anybody is a 10 yet because, you know, I, I'm just that, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't usually. That way we have something to measure against going forward. Exactly. Right. 8.2, you know, um, because the crowd was great. I think um, the hoes were a little bit, just a little bit. I know them very well. It's not meant as a negative criticism, but it's it's something to work on. The loading in was, like, tough because to, to get your badge, it was, like, almost two-hour wait. Wow, for the dealers yeah. to get their badges was too hours. Yeah, it was a little, uh, not disorganized, but I think they didn't. So they wanted to print. It was good intention. They wanted to print your name on the tag and give it to you. But the printing process, they only have one printer. It, it took a long time, basically. With everyone so, getting there at the same time, and uh, so there's still some small like glitches, obviously. But uh, I think overall, the crowd is great. There's high end buyer, but there's also, uh, you know, tons of kids because they promote all those stuff. And the trade night where I think was did it was done well. You gotta do um, better with getting you your badges. So now mm -hmm. let's talk about something you saw there. I'm hoping there's something different, something that's different, something that they did there that you're like, okay, this was a nice touch. This was something they added on that I hadn't seen at another show. Anything? Uh, one thing I like is it's not something new, obviously, for national. They always do it. But I love the experience of um, having the card grader encapsulating there. Tag was there. Tag Tag's booth was so impressive. It's like, I don't know, never seen that. Even PSA, is it's like not even close. Really? <laughs> tag, tag was just out there. They have this amazing booth. I wish I took some pictures, but... That's some robots, it, right? They were like yeah. Robots. Like it, was, it was really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, so that's different. I think a lot of experience... So some people that don't go to nationals, wow, they're grading here, you know, yeah. that... So that, I think, if it could be offered more, will be great. Who but, else graded on site? Was Becca, um, Becca was grading, right? 
Beckett was on site and uh, Beckett line was always busy. Um, and they did it for the whole through weekend except Sunday, basically. But they were very busy encapsulating there. And PSA was encapsulating the first day, but they were taking submissions. So I think um, those are the new trend that's going to happen. You know, I think in Mint coming up, they're, they're encapsulating there. So they expect a very busy show. I mean, just to kind of follow on that one, if, if Beckett or Tag or, or I mean are encapsulating during the show, do you see more people coming up to you at the show with like a freshly graded Beckett? Like, hey, you know, can you trade this, buy this? Or yep. Are you seeing more deals? Oh, there like was that? there was a lot of that this weekend, uh, the weekend that passed. So a lot of people that bought something from us went to grade it and got one of them got a black label. Wow. Uh, they see uh, Ridley, uh, whatever. Uh, autograph when he was so ecstatic. Somebody raw, offered it. the raw in the showcase, and they yeah. The and I think it was five hundred. Jeff sold it, and now people are offering him like four thousand dollars or something. So you know, the I mean, it's good. Need to know that's the kind of stuff that happens at the shows when the graders are there, and I, you know, I know it's a huge lift. I know it's a heavy mm -hmm. lift for the graders to be there, but. It creates liquidity. It shows that's great yep. for, for everyone involved, right? Somebody it's, buys a raw card and they grade it. Yeah. Sure, now the grading company is making money for the grading. But also, yep. if it's a good grade, if they get a, you know, look at that card you're talking about, five hundred to four thousand dollars. Now, if that person sells and sometimes, it, sometimes you could get a deal because of that. You know, obviously, some people don't know how to price and they will price it super high. But sometimes you could create a bidding situation. You know, because the card is fresh out of the pack and it's the first gem or whatever. I mean. And you could get two dealers or what are you paying for this type of thing so it, it creates a different type of activity that um they used to have it more a few years ago before pandemic and now it's starting to come back so just good yeah i love it so that's it on-site grading was good i think the next burbank show is in august i think in yeah uh, i think it's uh labor day weekend or something that's uh, Super Bowl definitely weekend, labor day going weekend. Definitely going back. So <laughs> yeah, you'll be there. All right. I don't know. That's a that's that's a, that's a tough week for me. It's a week between. Yeah, it's about to go back to school. Go back to school and stuff like that. So we'll we'll see. We'll uh, we'll I'll think about it. But usually I'm on vacation that week. So uh, if I could finagle Disneyland instead of Disney World, then I could just stop right over. That's so a lot of people did that. So <laughs> uh, whoever takes their full family, you know, you could do it the week before. I think you could work your magic. That's it. We'll try our best. Okay, so what's the next show you're going to? Um, I actually decided to take a couple of weeks off because there's a lot of meeting lined up. I would prefer that right now. Yeah. Uh, kind of rest up a little because at the end of February to almost first week of April, it's like six straight weekend of shows. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah take the next two weeks as my, my break and then focus on... Uh, over the end of February is uh, Westchester, the White Plains. You're probably yep. doing that one, mm -hmm. right? The last week yep. of February. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if it's the first weekend or the second weekend. The second weekend is uh, Dallas. So I'm doing Dallas and half my team is doing Philly. Okay. All right. And I think I'm going to Philly. Because yeah, I, I think Tyrese Maxi is going to be there. I want to introduce Ian. I, I know, Ian me too. And... So I actually have a couple of cards uh, that it's going to be signed. I want to get signed by Maxi and uh, Devonta Smith. I think is going to be there too. Some of the a lot Eagles. Of Eagles there last time. Yeah, a lot of no hurts. Yeah, no hurts. But uh, Devonta, some of the top guys are there. And um, yeah, and then after that, uh, I'm debating uh, Chicago. Is after that. Wow. Yeah. Performance. <laughs> yep. 
before no a week before mint even oh no the second week and then it's a union market which i might skip the pen it's just too much take some time off happy valentine's day to you a day later i should have started the show off with that i apologize that's true and then after that it's mint and mint is also at the same time as uh a chantilly yeah, so half my team is gonna be in Chantilly, and I'm gonna be in Mint. So, it's, I mean, there's a lot of shows. That's a lot of shows. How are you gonna have any inventory left? Uh, that that's because I also sell outside of shows. So that's gonna be tough, but we'll we'll see. We could right. buy. See, you gotta pivot. You gotta buy then. There you go. So so I'll leave it with this because we just crossed over a half hour. We like to keep them about that time. It's um you get to see a lot more of the hobby than than most people do. And probably more than 90% of the people who are listening to this, you get to see the Instagram version, you get to, you know, you get a lot of messages, you get to see what's going on on social media, but then you get out there to almost every show, right? And give me kind of like a one minute, I'll shut up. Tell the folks who are listening, what you think about the momentum the hobby has now, you know, kind of where the hobby is going. Andrew and I talked about like this is January, February sort of like a head fake for the hobby. Is this, is this, you know, like a little bit of one of these, like you're seeing it go up, but then it's going to drop kind of head fake or, you know, you've seen the energy, you've talked to people out there. What are your thoughts? Um, it, the first month is really great. I mean, if, if this is a sign, then it's good. <clears throat> but we also need to be aware that baseball is about to come up. So I'm like, oh, people are going to drop. People are saying, oh, it's going to drop in the next two months. But I feel like there's a lot of momentum with baseball to start a baseball. That's why I love this hobby, because every month people are anticipating down. But there's always something new that will pick it back up. You know, so that means you also need to be flexible. If all your inventory is in football maybe it's time to pivot a little to baseball you know and then after baseball starts usually it goes back down and then now you need to focus on playoff basketball <laughs> and now you got to start buying you, you, you don't want to buy before playoff you want to buy a month before playoff so you know so now you got to focus on that and then after that it's nationals time you know summer is baseball again all-star so there's always a roller coaster and you just gotta learn the wave and when to buy and when to sell and to me i understand the dip but i think if you plan it well you will ride it's not old dip there's gonna be up and down and you gotta take advantage when it's up basically you know what i hear from that i hear most people who get into the hobby or have gotten in the last couple of years they don't mind riding the ride Right. But they ride the ride and they think I'm going to ride the roller coaster one time and I'm going to I'm going to see the up and the down and I'm going to buy here and I'm going to sell here. I'm going to buy and then I'm going to sell it as it goes mm -hmm. up. And it's one quick roller coaster ride where I can leave after that ride. I'll get my picture smiling <laughs> and make my profit. You yep. literally never get off the roller coaster. Never. That's the difference. It's all you're always riding it and you're watching. I know there's a dip coming here. So I'm gonna buy baseball now. I'm gonna sell my baseball now. I'm gonna be get out of baseball as baseball starting and pivot whatever money I've made selling my baseball into mm -hmm. basketball because that's gonna be the playoffs coming. And then as the playoffs, I'm gonna pivot out of out of basketball and maybe start buying quarterbacks. Because then I want to have that for the run-up when preseason mm -hmm. football starts and then sell out before. The, I mean, it's, it's it really is an interesting thing because, you know, this is the difference between people who came in. I'm going to start a fund. I'm going to collect a million dollars and I'm going to buy a million dollars worth of cards and I'm going to watch it go up. Well, mm -hmm. you can't. 
it's the difference between active and passive, you yes. know, investing. And you are clearly active. And I think that's the difference. So. Yeah, and I, I think if, if people, that's why I do this show with you, you know, it's hopefully to create a better foundation for people that are getting in. Cause I know it's tougher now. It's not like years ago, you could come in and buy a thousand dollar card and hopefully it will turn 3000 in two months. No, it's a little bit different now. You need to, to plan a little bit better and learn what you're collecting too. So when is the time to buy? When is the, and it becomes very easy to be honest with you, I, no, I, I, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you know, people <laughs> people could have gone to the mm -hmm. table you went to and picked up that Mookie Betts for five hundred dollars that you ultimately sold for a thousand dollars in the same weekend. Like mm -hmm. those deals are there. You found them. Like you've come on the show today and said this was what I had mm -hmm. to do, and I had some success going and going to a table, buying it at a fair price. The dealer was happy to take it and move their mm -hmm. money into something else. I bring it on my table, and I was able to sell it to somebody else. Yep. And so it's there. You just have to know what you're buying and know exactly. what you're doing. That kind of stuff. You just, you just got to know. I mean, it takes a little, you, you just need to research a little bit more and work a little harder on it. You know, we can't just sit there and like, oh, this is what I brought and that's it. I mean, to me, buying is half the battle. So. There you go. You also have to sell. It's yeah. always fun. This is Black Jaded Wolf, Uncaged. Love these shows. Our eighth one of these. Can't believe we've already done eight. We're I know, just, right? We're getting applause. Here we got applause <laughs> coming from the live studio audience. I love it. So uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. I mean, it might take a little while longer because it doesn't look like there's going to be any kind of crazy shows. I might drag Shara to like a trade night or a bleaker night or something, and then we can do like a review. Yeah, let's do a it. Bleaker trade night or something like that. that we'll we'll do an impromptu guys. type of thing, you know. Yeah. Or we could just go to a card store and open up a bunch of wax. And Unless you want to come to uh, California with me with PSA and, you know. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. I like California. It's cold here. You know, it'd be nice to yeah. go and get some, you know, where, where it's warmer. 100%. I don't know. I think the next travel for me is probably in March for Mint. Yeah. Uh, but, well, you know, maybe. Maybe. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Sharon. This was fun. Bye. With nearly 40 years as the most trusted resource for collectors, dating back to the first Beckett magazine in 1984. Beckett has been the brand that bridges generations of the hobby. We're happy to be partnering with Beckett and look forward to keeping you all updated on the big things happening at the company in 2023. Beckett, it's the name you know and the name you can trust.